each time I come into your presence, I stand in wonder once again. Your grace still amazes me. Yeah.
Aren't you thankful for His grace tonight? Amen. We didn't plan that either. I love when my wife sings before I get to preach, and we didn't plan that at all, so that was a blessing. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 20 tonight. Acts chapter 20, and verse number 22 is where we'll be at. Acts 20 and verse number 22. I don't have notes for you. If you want to take notes, as always, go ahead, help yourself. I'm not a... Uh, I should get to be a note giver, but... I just haven't got used to that yet. So one of these days I'll have some notes for you when I preach, but Acts chapter 20 tonight. It says this in verse 22, it says, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saving that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. I don't know if you've noticed this at all or not, but our society is ever changing. It is constantly changing. Uh, if you haven't noticed it, and you live underneath a rock, because it is every single moment, every single day, constantly changing. Anyone who's ever had the experience to go back to their hometown or to their uh, place of birth where they grew up uh, will realize that things don't stay the same. They always change. I noticed that even in my short period of life, that the times I've gone home to where I was birthed at, uh, things have changed greatly, greatly. New inventions and new advances are accompanied by threats and dangers. In an uncertain world, there's one thing that we can be 100% sure of tonight, and that is our unchanging God. And the Bible backs that statement up in Malachi 3.6 when he says, For I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob, are ye not consumed. At this point in the book of Acts, Paul is at the city of Troas, and he's speaking to the Ephesian pastors here. And while speaking to them, he makes the statement, None of these things move me. And I was studying a few different areas this week and which direction to go, and, and time was prohibited due to some things going on this weekend. I don't know if you knew we had a little bit of an auction going on this weekend. It was kind of busy. Uh, and some of those things hindered the process, but the Lord allowed me to nail down one thing uh, to speak on tonight, and I hope it's going to be a blessing to you. But I saw that phrase, none of these things move me. And I started to, to study on that, and God gave me this thought that I want to preach to you tonight entitled, Some Things That Wouldn't Move Paul. Some Things That Wouldn't Move Paul. First, I want you to notice, number one, the burden for others would not move him. You say the burden for others would not move him. Verse 20, what did it say? It said, uh, let's roll back up here uh, to verse 20. I actually didn't put it in here, but verse 20, you can read it in your Bibles. Uh, it shows that he was unmoved by the burden of others. Sometimes the burden is overwhelming. Sometimes the burden to help others is overwhelming. Uh, to constantly be in the trenches with people who are hurting and going through life it gets overwhelming sometimes. 2 Corinthians 11.28 says, Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. You see, Paul was burdened down with the care of the churches, and it was a constant daily burden to him, and it became overwhelming to him. Uh, first, I want you to see that he was bound. He was bound to, his, to witness. He was bound to witness. Paul could not avoid speaking out. In Athens, his spirit was stirred. Acts 16, 17, 16 tells us that when he saw the idolatry of the people. When we see the people around us every single day in our workplace and in the places we go, are we stirred by what we see? Are we stirred by those who are hurting, those who are in need and searching for something? Are we stirred by that? Are we uh, kept captive to ourselves to keep our emotions to us and not worry about them? 
Or do we see the need and take the lead? Do we see the need that they have and, and dive into it? Paul realized that he would be judged if he failed to faithfully deliver the message that he had, had been entrusted to him. 1 Corinthians 9.16 says this, it says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Do you feel bound to share the gospel with strangers? Better yet, do you feel bound to share the gospel with your family who's lost? Do you feel bound to share the gospel with your friends who you know maybe they don't know Christ? You don't see them going to church on Sundays or, or whenever the doors are open, and you don't see a blossom of the Holy Spirit in their life? Are you burdened for them? Are you bound uh, to lead them uh, to lead them to the gospel? Or are you not going to worry about them? Paul was uniquely equipped to be the leader of the ministry here in the Roman Empire. His, his scholarly background prepared him to speak uh, many languages and cultures. His Jewish education gave him a thorough grasp on the Old Testament scripture. Uh, and his Roman citizenship, it allowed him to travel and allowed him to go places that others could not. And the local and civil authorities there during that time uh, maybe gave some favor to him with his traveling. And so he put all of these to use in his missionary work. And I thought about that. I thought about what are the things in our lives that God has enabled us with that we can use to further the gospel. Here in our own town, uh, what are some things in our own lives that God has uh, uh, given to you to be allowed to share the gospel? When I think about my life and think about the things that God has done through them and the, and the journeys I've been on and the places I've been, I think that he was constantly molding me just to share the gospel with people. I waited tables for almost seven years. Seven years I learned how to speak to people and learn how to have a conversation with someone and, and have that interaction with them. And maybe not to be afraid to share the gospel when it came time to share the gospel. Uh, I think of the things that God allowed me to do on mission trips through my, through my teenage years and help build things. And I'm not have a great knowledge of that, but I get to help in that area in the ministry. And I think what is something that God has enabled you with and given to you that you can use to further the kingdom? What is something he's given you? God, uh, kind of, when I think about it, I think that that Paul here was almost, almost born to be a leader, almost born to be a witness for Christ because he was so good at it. He was so strong in his faith and so strong at witnessing for the Lord. It's kind of like Christians. You see, when we're born again into the family of God, uh, you weren't saved to sit, soak, and sour. You were saved to get up and get out and go tell others about Jesus Christ. You know why we get, uh, sometimes we get fed up because sometimes the church house isn't full or, or things aren't the way we want them to be or it's because we're not doing our part and I'm not here to beat you up tonight because woe is me but uh, I'm just here to tell you that man God didn't call you to sit and do nothing God called you to get involved and and to dive in and to see where he can take you and to see what need you can meet and to see the souls that are all around you on a daily basis and to be used by him and to spread the gospel and be the witness and be the leader that God has called you to be as a Christian B I see that he was burdened Matthew 9.36 says this, it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And Acts 18.5, it says this, it says, uh, Paul said this, Pressed in the Spirit. Let's turn over there real fast. Acts chapter 18 and verse 5. Acts chapter 18 and verse 5. All this is things that you know 
and I never preach anything that's expounded, expounded upon times 10 because I'm not that smart. But I do know that the Bible is simple and that there's some things that if we, if we will put them in our heart and our lives daily, God will use them to use us. So I want to show you this. Acts chapter 18, verse 5, it says this. It says, And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. I got fired up when I read that verse because I thought about pressed in the Spirit. Pressed in the Spirit. Your burden to tell others the gospel becomes so overwhelming to you that you have to tell somebody about Jesus. And that's where Paul was at. He was so pressed in the Spirit that he couldn't help but tell people about Jesus. When was the last time you've been pressed in the Spirit to tell somebody about Jesus? Maybe that's the problem with the church today is that the church no longer gets pressed by the Holy Spirit. They get pressed by themselves and they get pressed by the things that make them uh, happy and the things that uh, steer and, 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 and ride their life. They don't allow the Holy Spirit to take control and the Holy Spirit to uh, bathe them and, and to, to lead their lives. Paul was willing to let God take over. God, He was willing to let God press him a little bit and let him get under the burden of, of caring for others. And he took that upon himself and he saw the need and he went out and did it. Are we going to do that? Or are we going to sit back in the pew and just be a Christian? You know, I had this other thought. I was reading uh, this week about the word Christian and the word disciple. And it showed me that Christian, and I looked it up, Christian was uh, only in the Bible three times. That's odd, right? The word Christian is only in the Bible three times, but the word disciple in any derivative or form is many, many times throughout the Bible. But what it told me was that Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, that's great because we are Christians. We're little Christ, right? When we get saved, we become an example of Christ to others, and that's great, but I don't want to be just a Christian because, see, the Bible tells me that disciples were made. Because they were willing to follow Christ to the ends of the earth and do whatever he asked them to do, whatever he called them to do. See, a Christian is something that is just a title, but a disciple is something that you do with your life. And I want to be someone who is following after Christ and giving him my 110% to do everything he calls me to do. I hope that's your cry tonight. I hope that's your prayer tonight. It was no secret that Paul uh, was burdened. It was no secret that he had uh, these uh, feelings in his life. But I want you to first see his burden was seen publicly. In every city, he would be found in the marketplace and in the synagogue sharing the truth of the gospel. It's simple. I actually did it this week. I was in the drive-thru over here at Jack in the Box, and I had a few cards there in the, in the dash, and I pulled one out, and I gave it to the girl there because there was no cards behind me, and I had a moment to talk with her and share the gospel. I, you know, I told her, I said, why don't you just turn that over when you get a time on your break or something? Just read the back of that card. It has something that's called the gospel on it, and I promise you this, it'll change your life. And she smiled at me, and she said, you know what, I'll do that. You know what, it only takes... A little bit of your time to share the gospel with somebody. You don't have to break out your family Bible and, and flop it down in front of them wherever you're at in their workplace and th turn through every page and go through the whole thing with them. Just give them one of those little cards that we pay money to print up. That's what they're there for. Hey, take one out to, the, to your friends, to your coworkers, to your neighbors. Let them know that there's a God that cares for them and there's a God that can transform their life just like he transformed yours. And that's what Paul was about. Paul was about sharing the gospel. Even though Paul had never met these people before, and he would probably never see them again, he wanted to take advantage of each and every opportunity, each and every meeting, to present a Christ as the Savior that they needed. He, because, see, he knew what they needed, and he did everything in his power to make sure that they got it. He didn't want to be one who stood before the Lord with, as they say, blood on, on his hands. He wanted to do everything he could in his power to see people come to Christ. Secondly, I see his burden was seen from, the ho from house to house. 
His burden was seen from house to house. Paul was not content just to share Christ with those who were around him or came to where he was. He also uh, went to where they were. I know many churches have different ideas on this, and they have different, and we do here, we, we do different things, and every church that does something is incredible because they are sharing the gospel. But you know what? The Bible specifically states that it shows visitation in people's homes. It shows, shows where Paul sat down with people in their homes, and he shared the gospel with them, and they came to the knowledge of Christ. Now, I'm not saying that's something for this day and age, but I'm just saying that that's what the Bible pointed to, and, and it clearly the old early church, it had a great effect because the church was expounded by numbers uh, in the thousands. And God's, and we saw great, and they saw great things uh, come to pass in those days because they were not just waiting for the lost to come to them, but they were going to where the lost were at. So what am I saying? I'm saying this, that the lost are in your workplace. The lost are in your neighborhood. The lost are in Walmart. The lost are in the Walmart parking lot. They're everywhere. You can find them anywhere you walk outside this door. You know what? And sometimes you might find them in this room. Just a thought. But they're everywhere. And what are we doing to tell them about Jesus? We want to see this place packed out every service. But the way we see this place packed out is by everybody getting involved and by everybody giving their heart to Christ and saying, I want you to do whatever you want to do through me, and I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to be like Paul, and I'm going to go to the ends of the earth to see what you can do through me and to see the great things that will happen. When's the last time you knocked on somebody's door and sat down and shared the gospel with them? Or maybe when's the last time you invited someone just to come to church? Think about it. These are things that are practical, and I know that we know them, but if the gospel radically transformed your life, then why aren't you sharing it with others? That's all I want to get across to you is that. If it radically transformed your life, then why aren't we sharing it with others? The burden, uh, secondly, I want you to see this. The burden from others would not move him. Big point number two. The burden from others would not move him. Verse 21 and 23, you can look those up uh, there in your Bible when you've got time to read, but... I want you to see first the trials that Paul had. The trials. Not knowing the things that would befall him, but he would soon find out. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 24 through 27 says it for us. It says, Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. In the journeys often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. My man was in a lot of perils. I don't know if you noticed. He was in a lot of perils. In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Thank God that he does not show us the trials all at once. Amen. He doesn't show us all the bad things up front that we're going to have to go through. He allows us to instead follow on by walking by faith, not by sight. Because if we had to walk by sight through everything, I don't think we'd make it as Christians. We would give up and we'd probably get out. Because if I had to face some of the things that Paul did, I may be out. But through whatever difficulties and trials we endure, we are never alone and we are never forsaken because God's always there by our side and God's always there to help us through every single storm and every single trial and whatever it is you may be facing, God's always there. Paul was committed to ministry and he was comforted by the knowledge that God was always with him. Secondly, don't you see this? Be the testing. Not only the trials, but the testing. Bonds and afflictions were in every single city that Paul traveled to. Imprisonment and trials awaited Paul, and tests are also experienced by the modern church today. 
I think of uh, the man here from, from Boise that's the pastor that's imprisoned overseas. And, and think about all the stories we've heard, even here of, in this year, of, of stories of Christians who have been beheaded or have been locked up or have been uh, persecuted for the cause of Christ. It's not something that's ever going to stop. It's going to get uh, worse and worse and worse as time goes on. You know what? We need to be uh, confirmed like Paul that no matter what comes our way, we're going to follow Christ no matter what happens. If we allow tests to derail or sidetrack us, our witness for the Lord, then our commitment is lacking. If we are derailed by the things that Satan throws at us and tries to get us off course, then our commitment needs to be recommitted again. Because God is not going to use the ones who are on the sidelines, not in the game. He's looking for the ones who are in the game with the jerseys on, maybe a little pregame sweat on their brow because they're ready to go. That's who God's looking for. That's the ones he uses. When we consider the suffering of the Lord in the early church, we should realize that the tests that we endure are neither unique to us, nor should they make us quit. Nor should they make us quit, because we have a God that's on our side. He's not dead in some grave somewhere, but he's alive today, he's alive tonight, and he's ready to help you through anything that you're going through. Paul had staked out his ground with Christ and the truth, and he was determined that he would not be moved. It's easy to stand strong when things are easy, but the true test of our commitment is when trials come. I think of that song that I believe they're going to be here coming up pretty soon, but they sing uh, God on the Mountain. Uh, and you know the words to that song. Life is easy when you're down in the valley, or is it? Or up on the mountain, but things change when you're down in the valley. Isn't that right? Because that's when it's our lowest. That's when we're at our weakest. That's when our, the trials are the hardest. But you know what? I just want you to know this tonight, and I honestly have no more notes. I'm going to give you a couple more things. You guys are like getting out of here super early. Don't tell faster that. But I just had man, I just had this quick thought that I wanted to give to you because it's, it's perilous to our lives that if we don't uh, dig in with God and we don't go the extra mile with Him, then we're going to miss out on some things. And God is here to do some things in this church, and God is here to do some things in our lives one-on-one, but we have to be willing to allow Him to take us through the trials. We have to be willing to allow Him to take us through the troubles and the tribulations that sometimes, all the time, probably we don't want to go through. But God has something in store on the other side for us if we just trust Him, if we just follow Him, if we just allow Him to lead us wherever He wants us to go. Lastly, I want you to see this. The burden of self would not move Him. The burden of self would not move Him. A, because He did not overvalue self. He did not overvalue self. Sometimes we can be our own greatest hindrance, can't we? We can be our own hindrance. He knew it wasn't about him. It was all about Jesus. It was all about Jesus. And if following Jesus meant trials and tribulations, then so what? If that's what it meant, as long as he uh, told others about his Savior, he was at his happiest. I believe that from reading the Bible because you don't see Paul negative hardly at all, or if at any. You see Paul just continuing to go on and continuing to stay faithful and continuing to follow what Christ had for him. Don't rely on your own credentials and your own abilities to stay faithful to God because, because uh, I lost my spot, sorry about that, but because we're nothing, right? Because we're nothing without God's power. We're nothing without His presence in our life and the Holy Spirit taking control and leading us. We are nothing without Him. And Paul realized that. And that's the thing that, man, I need to realize in my own life is that God wants to do great and powerful things through every single person in this church and in this ministry and every single Christian across this world. But sometimes we allow our own hindrances to get in the way. And we allow our own problems to hold us back from doing something great for God. 
Philippians 3, uh, 5 through 8 says this. It says, But what things were gained to me, and you know these verses, though I counted loss for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. You see, uh, he didn't rely on his own faith. He didn't rely on himself. He relied on God because he'd already been through enough trials to know that God had already brought him through some trials that he could take him through all the trials. And if you've been through trials in your life already and you've started to sway a little bit on staying faithful to God and you've started to wonder a little bit if God's going to bring you through, if he brought you through one trial already, don't you think he's going to do it again every single time? Because he's God, he's Jesus, and that's what he's there for. He's there to mold you and to make you. You know what? Every single thing he takes you through is molding you to be something better than you are right now. And I believe that wholeheartedly because I look at where my life was, and I look at the things that I faced and the things that I went through and the, the dumb decisions that I made, and I see where God brought me to. And I see how he's using my life, and I see how he's, how he's brought me to a place where I can rely on him and I can give him 100% of my, my time and my talent and my treasures because I know that he works. And if we know that he works and we know that he's faithful, why do we, why do we give up on him sometimes? Why do we hold back on him? So what, is my, what am I trying to tell you now? I want you to know this. I want you to just remember, God's been good once. He'll be good again. He's been good once, and he'll be good again. If you get one thing tonight, get that. Because if you can realize that he's always going to be faithful, and he's always going to be there for you, and he's always going to take you through the trials and through the storms and through the tribulations, then you'll make it through every single time and you're thinking of him and thinking of what he's done for you. The Holy Spirit would do the convicting when he shared the gospel. Think about this. He relied, secondly, on the Holy Spirit. He relied on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would do the convicting when he shared the gospel just as it had convicted him on the road to Damascus. Remember the day when you got convicted? Remember the service or the room you were sitting in or the place you were at when God put that Holy Ghost conviction upon your soul and how it transformed your life when you accepted him and you gave it over to him and you said, Christ, you're all I need and nothing else is worthy of you. And I want you to take my life and use it and do something with me and save me and take me from this place. When you had that transforming moment in your life, it changed you. How far be it from us not to share that moment with somebody else. Hey, go out and tell somebody this week your testimony. I don't care if they look at you weird. I don't care if they think it's strange. You know what? You'll get a joy from it. You'll get a joy from it because you're telling somebody about your Savior. And I promise you this. You start planting a little seed like that, and then it starts to convict somebody. And they have questions about salvation and questions about where they're going to go when they die. And all these things start to happen in their lives because you decided to be a witness. You know what? Paul, he relied on the Holy Spirit. Let's rely on the Holy Spirit in our lives. Thirdly, or C, because he valued the gospel. Paul realized that the opportunity to minister to others was a great opportunity. And he was not going to take uh, chances when he saw people to not tell them about Christ. Every opportunity he had, he used it. Uh, he was also concerned to live in such a way as not to discredit his testimony. 1 Corinthians 9.27 says this, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Maybe, maybe your testimony is not what it should be. Maybe others look at you and they don't see Jesus. When you say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, and they say, where's Jesus, where's Jesus, where's Jesus, when they look at you. Paul said, I don't want my testimony 
to hinder, hinder the gospel of Jesus Christ. If there's something in your life tonight that is hindering others from knowing Jesus Christ and from and for coming to a place where they can find him, get out of the way and get to God tonight and allow him to transform you and fix some things in your life and ask God to help you uh, to be the Christian you should be because anything we do and, and all, all that we do should be pointing others to Jesus Christ. And if it's not, then we need to get that fixed tonight. Paul realized that. We need to realize that. D, and lastly, because he wanted to finish with joy. Because he wanted to finish with joy. 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8 says this, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. You know what? He knew that he didn't just want to cross the finish line and collapse. He didn't just want to half-heartedly walk through the Christian life and not see God do some things. Paul said, I want to go all the way. I want to run through the finish line until he tells me to stop. And when he, and when he gets to glory, he wants to give him all the praise and all the honor that he's due. Are we not running the race tonight the way we should? Are we not running it uh, at a full 110% or are we just taking our own time with God and saying, you know what, God, when you want to use me, I think I might be ready. When you feel like uh, you want to do something in my life, just ask me first and then I'll let you know, God. Or is that where we're at tonight or are we at a place where we say, God, I'm here, I'm surrendered. I'm ready to see what you want to do through me. And when you do something through me, you're going to do something through this ministry. And you're going to do something through this church. And you're going to do something through the lives of everyone around me because you're going to be shining so greatly through me that all they're going to see is you. Is that where you're at tonight? If you're not there tonight, I hope that's where you're going to get. I hope that you'll find a time to get along with God and say, God, I need you more than anything. I need your power in my life. I need your spirit in my life. I need your wisdom in my life and your knowledge. I need everything you can give me because, God, I'm nothing without you. Paul was not content to cross the finish line and race and just collapse. Don't just finish, but finish with joy. Some of us are, are at our latter age. I say some of us. Some of you at your latter age, you know what? Don't, don't give up. You know what? There's a life group that you're in where you could bring people to that life group who are your age group who don't know Christ. Who don't know Christ. My great, my grandfather on my dad's side, or my dad's dad, my grandfather, uh, he was... Uh, 79 years old, and he was in World War II, Vietnam, Korea, all these wars, a great war hero, did all these things, and had five boys, and that he great wife, and lived a good life, and, and took care of his family, but the whole period of his life, he never knew Christ. His wife got saved in, at a mid-early age, and then the boys, one by one, started came to know Christ, but my grandfather laid on his deathbed and never knew Christ until... The last day before he, he took his last breath, he, he realized that he was a lost sinner. And he told my dad, staring up at my dad as clear as could be, he said, I know I'm lost, son. I know that if I die right now and I'm going to die, he said, I'd go straight to hell because he's not my Savior and he's never been. But I could tell that he's been your Savior. I could tell that he's been the Lord of your life. He said, I want that. You know what? And on his last breath, he accepted Jesus Christ as a Savior. You know what? And he was 79 years old. Had he got it a little earlier, man, he could have got in and done something. What am I saying? I'm saying this. There's somebody that's waiting for you. There's somebody that's waiting for you to come and be a friend of them and share the gospel because the gospel transformed you and you're so excited about it that you want it to transform them. Think about somebody that you can witness to this week. Don't just finish, but finish with joy.
I'll end with this statement. Uh, it's from Paul Chapel. I'm going to read it to you because it's lengthy, but uh, I wanted to finish with this. It's really good. Pastor Paul Chapel out in Lancaster, California, uh, this book is Acts, the Church Alive. And he said this about being a Christian. He said, I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have stepped over the line. The decisions have has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarf goals. He said, I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. He said, I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, live by prayer, and labor by his power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way rough, my companions few, my guide reliable, and my mission clear. I cannot be bought, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, or let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all I know is gone, and know till he stops me. And he, when he comes for his own. He will have no problem recognizing me because my banner is clear. Is your banner clear tonight? Is your banner clear tonight? Do people know that you're a child of the king? Do people know that you are a disciple, a true follower of Christ, and, and all you want to do is tell people about Jesus Christ? Or do they see something lacking in your life? That's all I have for you tonight. It's short. It's sweet. It's to the point. But man, if you can't get something from the last thing I gave you, then your wood's wet and there's something wrong with you. Maybe you need to check out your heart a little bit. Maybe you need to check out where you're at in your walk with Christ because uh, if you can't get something from the Word of God, then something's wrong. So where are you at tonight? Are you at a place where you're ready to see God do something? I know I am. I know I, I'm, I'm nothing. I promise you I'm nothing. But man, I'm prayed and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to see God break loose in this church. I'm ready to see God do something greater than we ever thought possible. I hope that's where you're at. I hope that you're not just a pew sitter just here because it's comfortable. I hope you're here because you want to see God do something great. You want to see God pour into this life and pour into this church and pour into people the things that only He can do. That's where I'm at. Are you there tonight? If you're not, maybe you should take time to hit the altar. If you'll come play a song for me, Miss Connie, I wasn't going to do an invitation, but you know what? I just think we need to. If you'll come tonight, maybe there's something in your life that needs to get out of the way, something that's hindering you from following after Christ. Maybe there's something that's holding you back from being a witness you should be for Christ. If that's you tonight, come to the altar. When she starts playing, if you want to come, let's come. I'll give you a minute to pray, and then we're going to pray, and we'll close out here tonight.
Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the house of God. And we thank you for, Lord, just how good you are to us. Lord, how you, Lord, without even thinking, Lord, you give us your grace. And God, we're not worthy of it. We're not uh, in honor of it. We're not doing it, God, but you give it to us anyway, Lord. And we thank you for it. But Lord, don't let us be complacent not to tell others about you because Lord there is a world that is dying all around us and there are people who are crying out for you Lord and we have what they need and Lord help us to be the Christians we should be to get up and go out and do our part Lord we want to see you do something great in this place God we want to see revival break out Lord that it goes for days that we can't help but point to you and say God it's only because of you it's not us because you are the great revival giver, God, and we pray that you'd give it to us in this place. We pray for this church, that you bless these people, Lord. Lord, I continue to pray daily, Lord, that if there's lost people that walk in off the street, Lord, help us to be the witness we should be, Lord. If there's people who come in the church house on Sundays, help us to be the witness we should be so that they can know Christ before they leave this building. I, I love this place, Lord. I love how it's a lighthouse to the hurting, a lighthouse to those who are in need, the families who are hurting, the children who need Christ. Lord, help us to be what we should be for you this week. Help us to walk out of these doors, Lord. Not just change, but stirred, God, Lord, to do something for you. Lord, I love you. I thank you for Sundays. I thank you for this place. I thank you for the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. That's all I have for you tonight. Remember to grab a bulletin if you didn't.